Bom dia, galera! I'm Fenio, this is the Early Plane Podcast, and we are here to review, to recap, and uh, to give some commentary on UFC 296, I think it was. I'm going to Google, because as you can see, I take my, my job very seriously. UFC 296, it was uh, Covington versus Leon Edwards. I mean, Edwards was the headliner, obviously. And Covington looked like shit, as you know. Uh, so just wanted to give you guys a bit of a recap of the action and some thoughts about what happened. Uh, why don't we do it like for for preview style? So let's do for review. Let's talk about all the fights and I'll give some takes of what I saw before the fights and what actually happened during the fights. So opening. The opener was uh, Shamil Gassiev versus Martin Budai. I was expecting Budai to like weather the storm, get going against Gassiev, who is like pretty athletic, uh, has decent punching form, and is a good wrestler. We do we did not see the wrestling here. I mean, Gassiev used the wrestling a bit defensively when Budai was grabbing some clinches here and there. But the story of the fight was Gassiev fights. Uh, I mean, hands were way too fast for. Poor Martin Budai here. Uh, guy had no answer for it. Um, he was no way of closing the distance because Garcia was putting his strike shots together very well, especially the jab. He was intercepting with the jab. Budai did not have ways to enter range when he was trying to jab. Garcia was like pretty, pretty decent foot speed for the size that he is. He's a very big guy. Not as big as Budai, but Benjamin Garcia here looked pretty decent. I think a lot of it was the matchup of Budai being like slower, uh, not having range on him, not having answers. And, and Gassiv starting like hot, accurate. Uh, what's the ceiling for Gassiv? I'm not sure. I think he looked pretty good here. I think he looked improved. His, um, his hands are getting better each time. I didn't think much of his striking uh, before this fight. But here he looked very solid, so I think the ceiling is pretty high. Uh, championship material, too early to tell, but I, I thought he looked solid here. Uh, good, very good addition to the heavyweight division. Not much else to say, the pick was wrong. I, I thought Gassiev was going to gas, I, we've seen it gas in the past. And the depth of the striking I thought wasn't there. He looked pretty good here, um, very good performance. It's all right. Our next fight of the night was Andre Fili versus Lucas Almeida. Uh, going into this fight, um, it was like I, I was saying that in the pocket, both guys were going to have a shot here. Uh, I thought Fili's wrestling was going to show up uh, in this fight. It did not. He did not need it. Um, I I thought that Philly had a better control of the range, especially because uh, despite being a bit shorter than, uh, than Almeida, he fights a lot longer from a lower stance, uh, changing stances a lot, uh, using the jab, having a very good jab and, and kicks. So and that was the case inside of, uh, during the during the fight. So my read was correct there. What ended up doing Almeida was his. His tendency of just defaulting to the left hook uh, on everything. 
And Philly was using angles very well to set him up during combinations, just flashing the jab especially from both the southpaw and orthodox to just get into position to get into exchange. Uh, he had a nice entry from southpaw earlier where they have their feet so like pocket exchange. And then at the end, oh, Philly flashes the jab, Almeida goes for the check hook. Uh, Philly like evades the left hook while he's closing in, so he's like moving moving forwards with his feet, but pulling back a little bit. Knights uh, lands a nice right hook over the top. Uh, one curious aspect of that final exchange is that Philly, uh, and I, I, posted a, I posted a clip of Philly uh, doing this to Aljo with a head kick setup when they are in close stance, both orthodox, and Philly uses the jab to get his, his lead foot very on the, very on the, on the center line between the both of the feet of Algio and he wraps the head kick using that that angle that he created and he, he here he it was the same but with the right hand uh, very like taking an angle and close stances and I was commentating about how many fighters do not think about angles when they are in close stances unless they are like pivoting off, at, off an attack too but to get into a position before an exchange is something that uh, you do not see very often, so it was very cool by Philly there. He gets the, the finish, it was great performance. Uh, this was just Philly performing to the level that he should. I think he's a very good fighter. He was better than Almeida, he showed it in this fight. After that we have Ulanbekov versus Cody Durden. Uh, Ulanbekov getting the rear naked choke on the second round. Uh, very surprised that Durden could not defend the wrestling, to be honest. And, well, Durden got dropped on the first. I mean, Ulanbekov, as said, he has very quick hands, but not a lot of, like, pocket boxing. But here he catch uh, Durden on the inside with a very quick right hand. So that was very cool. Um, Durden have a cool, like, guillotine escape and then a very nice, like, butterfly hook sweeps, sweep by Ulanbekov to get back to, to their feet. They were starting exchanging, uh, uh, Durden was getting going with the hands but he has this tendency of collapsing to the clinch and usually he has an advantage there, not the case in this fight. Ulanbekov with some very nice uh, step around takedowns uh, throws here uh, from the over-unders. Um, he pinches the, the uh, he overhook very hard and, and he like grabs the lat on the underhook side. He like drops his weight, puts his hips down, and just as they are hitting the mat, you can tell that Ulanbekov looks like he is going to end up on on bottom, but he rotates with his hips and uses the underhook hand to bam get on get on top of him. So very cool, very cool takedown. Cat uh, caught uh, Durden twice with the, with that. Uh, very cool stuff. Uh, Ulanbekov here looking very solid. Uh, Durden. I thought he was going to look better against fellow wrestlers, but no, not the case, man. I I tweeted, this guy can only be the hammer, not the not the nail when it comes to wrestling. Ariane Lipsky fought Casey O'Neill, got an armbar on the on the second round. Oh, Lipsky here looked very solid. Um, I have been very impressed with Lipsky. Um, 
Lipsky's improvements since she got to the UFC. I didn't think much of her, but in these last now three performances, she, she has looked very solid. Uh, the takedown defense, the clinch, the knees in the clinch, and the striking. Like she's not like she's a bit mechanical. Like she's not very organic. Uh, she throws what I would like to call like predetermined combinations. But she does a, a great job with that. Um, O'Neill was like trying to figure stuff out. She was figuring stuff out at the end of the first round, I think. But she does not have the comfort. And I was also commentating during the fights that it's sometimes it's uh, very helpful to have this this background in a martial art and getting to compete in a different martial art, even it. If it is uh, at a low level, it doesn't matter. You you don't have to go to the Olympics or for wrestling, or be like a world world champion kickboxer. Like, I mean, just getting the experience, it gives you this like uh, gives you a lot of more depth when you commit to one martial art. And in the case of Lipsky, that she has this experience with kickboxing with with Brazilian Muay Thai, that it's like most like kickboxing with elbows and knees more than more than real Muay Thai. Even though I think the like more traditional Muay Thai it's like making some progress in Brazil, like getting more fights where they actually judge the fight like a Muay Thai fight and that kind of stuff. Uh, but usually like most Brazilian fighters that show up as Muay Thai guys, you know, they are like Dutch kickboxers that <laughs> used to fight with knees and elbows. But yeah, I mean, Lipsky had like, uh, like a, like a kickboxer career, kickboxing career, like not, not like super long, but she, she used to fight on Muay Thai and kickboxing in Brazil. And it shows she has that comfort uh, and that feel for the striking thing. Like Casey O'Neill, to me, it gives me the impression that uh, she's an MMA native and and she spars a lot in MMA. So she has these options, these avenues. And when she found herself uh, stuck in this like striking realm, I thought Lipsky had a... Uh, a level of comfort and of power to uh, very good mechanics for Lipsky. Lipsky uh, catches O'Neill with a with a right hand after sidestepping to her right. Boom, lines up the right hand, uh, evades the the shot from O'Neill and lands a beautiful right hand that rocks her. Follow up with the head kick. They get into a scramble. Uh, Lipsky goes to to take the back. I think uh, during the scramble she takes the arm for the armbar. Uh, very cool submission too. So so yeah, I mean, I'm I'm hyped for Lipsky. I, I think she had to look pretty good lately. I think she's finally coming into her own. I uh, I think they mentioned uh, she moved like uh, I think since she started looking good, she's been with with the new camp of Amanda Nunez. I'm not sure if I'm right there, but but man, if if this is all because of the new camp, that's great. That's great. She has looked very improved here. Cody Garbrandt fought Brian Kelleher after that. Uh, Garbrandt here looked great. I mean, not like... Because Garbrandt in the later years, like, very committed to outfighting. Uh, you can tell the confidence has had taken a shot. Here, he looked aggressive. He was trusting his hands. He was trusting his speed. His mechanics look here... I mean, always. But, but here especially, I think Cody looked very solid here. And a nightmare, nightmare matchup for anyone like Kelleher that... That likes to uh, get the wrestling going, get into like pocket exchanges, and Cody's so good at just denying that because he's just like so fast, the clean footwork to get out. And Kelleher was having great success with the 
with the calf kicks and it was kind of surprising because Cody has been has been very invested in leg kicking in his last few performances, not here. Uh, I think Kelleher did the right call of seeing that Cody was very heavy on the front foot. We, we will talk about leg kicks very soon again. And, but yeah, I mean, Cody just putting his hands together, exiting on responsible angles, um, just like the classic Garbrandt stuff we saw twice here in he, him hurting Kelleher twice with the right hand. It's just like Cody, like, it's a, it's a guy, a boxer, that looks a lot on your feet, uses that as a trigger, so when you're close in the distance, uh, Cody just makes sure to like, take this uh, slight angle, similar to like Philly, but here Cody on the on the counter, he just positions his feet very well, and that was like very useful in the fight against Dominic Cruz, uh, where he was, when he was having success against T.A. Dillashaw earlier in their first fight, you can tell that Garbrandt has this like, he he sees you. He sees you are coming. He adjusts his feet. He just gets low, uh, gets the read and goes either left hook or or the overhand or straight right. And yeah, he was like finding that counter right here. Um, hurt Kelleher first with the with the right hand, and then just like Kelleher trying to enter. Uh, Cody throws like what I think was like. Uh, get slow, go for like a left hook to to the body, I'm guessing, but uh, Keller here was like either kicking or shaking, but he ended like on the leg with not much power. I think it was like just a, a throwaway with the left hook, and then he plants himself, bam, the right hand and face plants Keller here. Uh, great knockout, I think Cody here look, look great. Um, and I like the confidence. Uh, I I I've been saying I don't think uh, Cody Garbrandt's chin is that bad. Uh, I think he has been knocked out while being blindsided, and even during those, he has shown like very a lot of top, toughness, especially the second Dilacho uh, finish. Um, he never went out, so and then he endured a lot of punishment by Font. Uh, the Pedro Munoz one was bad, but he was he got completely blindsided there. And then, uh, as I said on the preview, rewatching the Trevin Jones fight, uh, uh, watching live, I thought Cody was getting hurt on the third round. And then, on rewatch, I was like, Cody is fine here. He's like getting nervous about getting knocked out. I think so. That's why he fell apart and he started going for the for the takedowns and that kind of shit. But I don't think he was really hurt, like, like, like he never looked super shaky, shaky mentally, but not like physically, like his legs were there, he was not stumbling or anything. So yeah, I mean, it's great that Cody has his, his confidence back. He's a dangerous fighter and I consider this an addition to the division because I wasn't, I was con counting him out. I was expecting here him to win this fight, but not, not this impressively. Uh, Sucks for Kelleher, I think he's a great fighter and he's a lot of fun to watch so hopefully Kelleher gets another another fight against a more appropriate level of opposition. Irene Aldana and Carol Hosa had what's probably the night of the, the, the fight of the night. First round comes uh, Carol Hosa doing her usual like combos into inside leg kick that is a very interesting look in MMA. And she does it like very well. She throws like one, two, three, and the inside leg kick with the with the left with the left kick, and or just a one, two a step into 
into the leg kick to the inside. She was landing some calf kicks on the on the counter too. Uh, she should have uh, invested a, li a little bit more on the calf kicks, I think. But yeah, she was having great success. Aldana, uh, like last minute of the round, she starts adjusting and going heavy with the pressure. Commentary was very wrong, I think, here. Uh, I have a gripe with this one. Uh, not, I'm not gonna complain about the, the whole like Joe Rogan and leg kicks thing. Uh, I think uh, Joe Rogan overplays leg kicks a lot. And this is coming from me, a guy that it's uh, like, you know guys, I love leg kicks. Um, and as a fighter, I was uh, a very adept user of leg kicks and one of my primary tools. Uh, in fact, I, I lost my first Muay Thai fight because I, I went so heavy on the leg kicks and they weren't scoring those very, very much. And even though I left my my opponent like limping and all that shit, I lost a decision <laughs> on, my, on my amateur debut in Muay Thai. So... So yeah, I mean, I'm not hating. I think leg kicks are very important. I think leg kicks should be scored very highly if we're talking about damage. Uh, what I, what really annoyed me here is that Rogan said that Aldana need an, needed an adjustment and the adjustment needed to be like either takedowns or just like change her stance to either softball or a, or a taller stance to defend the kicks. And I think that's fundamentally so flawed. It's a, it's a very flawed way to look at the sport. You need to realize that when you have a style, um, every style, like from your stance to your shot selection, there's always going to be like pros and cons to whatever you do in martial arts and combat. Um, there's not like, I think Joe Rogan uh, and maybe like Daniel Cormier too, uh, I think they have this platonic ideal or of a perfect way of fighting. Like you can tell when Rogan says a lot of like, uh, he's never out of position, he's so technical that a lot of th those things are relative. A lot of styles have pros. I mean, I mean, every style has pros and cons, every move is the wrong move if your opponent knows you're doing it. I think that's, I, I said that phrase a lot because it's very true, like there's not like anything that's perfect. Even the most perfect jab can be countered if you are timed the right way. Uh, so it's your job to, to use feints, to use movement, to use your variety, to, to find uh, what's working for you. And for Aldana to drop his, his boxing oriented style that it's heavy on the front foot, would have only made her uh, weaker in this in this matchup, and I think Aldana, and obviously Aldana won the fight here, made the right choice of not abandoning her style, but changing things up within the confines of her style to win the fight, and uh, and she did that like upping the pressure, getting on the face of Carrojosa to make uh, the counters. Uh, more difficult and eventually finding the body shots that was very important here and just like Aldana just using like like good entries on her boxing just getting into position getting into her face uh, splitting the guard with very nice uh, straight shots and then trying to find the hooks behind that uh, great performance by both girls like Carujosa was uh, getting back into the fight like big time in that third round but then Aldana took over with the with the left hook to the liver that that uh, hurt Hosa. It was a very hard-fought, entertaining fight. But but Yamin just wanted to take a moment to talk about this uh, about adjustments. Like 
you do not need to have in the back pocket. You need options in your back pocket, in your arsenal. But I think uh, this way that uh, a lot of a lot of people see the sport, like when Joe Rogan says like, everyone needs a wheel kick because you just have that in your arsenal. Like, a wheel kick need to make, needs to make sense with the rest of your game. It needs to fit into your stance, uh, into your style. If you're a pocket boxer, like a wheel kick is not going to do much for you. Um, I think it's very useful if everyone in, if everyone can do a wheel kick, like it's not going to hurt, but maybe all that time that you invest in learning how to wheel kick, learning, uh, uh, training your flexibility, uh, drilling so much, you can use in, uh, you can use your time in other things, especially in MMA where time is such a valuable, <laughs> I cannot speak English, I'm sorry, but it's such a, it's such a valuable asset. Uh, time that you don't have time to train everything. You just need to find your style and add things that make sense into your style. I don't think Aldana should have uh, should have done better in this fight if if she switched to Southpaw, especially because uh, if she switched to Southpaw, like Carol Hosa was still going to have the back to the was still going to have uh, leg kicks available. Like those don't disappear. And if Aldana fights from a like a taller stance. Like her boxing game doesn't work anymore. Like when you make a style for you as a fighter, and usually you do not think about making a style, you just start doing whatever works and find whatever you like, whatever you find success in sparring that molds you as a fighter. So I think in, and her corner did the right call of just saying like, you need to put the combinations together. You need to say on her face, um, also, like Rogan was going on about shaking kicks, like shaking is not the only way to deal with leg kicks, uh, and I, I really like shaking. Uh, I think it's uh, a very good tactic, but shaking needs a lot of investment too. Uh, the reason that we don't see a lot of fighters shaking kicks is because in MMA, a lot of fighters stand stand very heavy on front foot. And that means that it's a lot slower to check kicks. So sometimes it's easier to just bounce back, collapse the distance, fight the counter right hand, reach out on the bottom to go for takedowns. There are another options. And Aldana here showed like, she didn't like deal with the leg kicks in itself, but changed the, the approach of the fight to make the leg kicks uh, a smaller deal on the overall fight. And I think it was a great performance. Uh, Carol Hosa, here look pretty good uh, too. I think she lost focus of the fight on the second round, started to faltering a little bit, losing losing the ball. But then on the third round, she came alive. Then um, the third round, very close, very close. I think Aldana took over late. Uh, Holsa started the round very strong, so it was a great fight. Uh, and also many feel Dustin Jacoby had a fun fight too. Uh, Jacoby just winning with the volume, with the feints, like making many feel uh, swing and miss a lot. And, but then Jacoby got hurt on, on the second and the third, especially on the third, he got rocked bad uh, with a left hook. He was surprised with a left hook. Uh, Jacoby is very similar to the round two fight and I was comparing these fights. Uh, he, he had the right idea of making many feel like miss a lot, getting into his face pressuring. But then when he got hurt a few times, and I don't blame the guy at all, uh, she, uh, he was a lot more hesitant to just commit to the jab and that kind of stuff and getting into the combinations. 
Um, and then, yeah, Jacoby got hurt super bad. He could have, like, uh, he, he recovered well, but I, uh, I mean, looks wise. I think the commentary did the right call that Jacoby was still hurt to the end of the fight. And that's why he didn't try to, like, get back into space and hurt Manyfield. He was super concussed, I bet, man. That was a bad drop. Manyfield land a huge left hook. Uh, this fight felt like if you run it again, Jacoby could perfectly win that fight. But this time, like, Manyfield landed the the right punches to win. And Jacoby was landing hard too. Uh, any of those any other day could maybe like hurt Manyfield. It just didn't happen this time. I think that's uh, a part of the chances when you when you fight MMA. Like you do everything you can, but you cannot remove a small, not that small, like luck factor. Like sometimes you just land uh, one centimeter off and you hurt the guy. And sometimes you just don't. You just land like what looks like to be a perfect shot. And uh, the guy is just fine. It's just a, a play, a game of inches that you can you cannot always control. Uh, Manyfield here keeps looking very solid. Like he has improved so much. And I hate to say this, but but Barry seems like he's making a good job with him. And that's awful, man. Because <laughs> Pat Barry is a fucking creep. But he seems to be a good job with Manyfield. Uh, he's still very annoying in the corner, but he seems to be doing a good job as a coach here. So with that, we get into the main card. Josh Emmett fought Bryce Mitchell. Um, Matty on Twitter, as, as soon as they announced the fight, he said, uh, we're going to... <laughs> something along the lines of, we're going to watch a Josh Emmett KO, like a huge Josh Emmett KO. And boy, he was right. I mean, a lot of people felt that way, like... Bryce, uh, wrestling hasn't looked so hot lately. I mean, I can see it yeah, look kind of solid. But Emmett is a very stout wrestler and very hard to take down. Uh, Bryce, to his credit, uh, did not try takedowns here. An, an orthodox Bryce Mitchell, by the way, which was very curious because um, Emmett has always struggled with southpaws and Mitchell often fights as a salpa and that got me wondering if Bryce maybe is like a natural orthodox and because he did not have a camp for this one he felt more comfortable fighting of his natural stance and then when he's doing all the southpaw stuff in the other fights is because he drills that during camp maybe it's a bit of that or maybe they saw something in orthodox but it was disastrous um uh, landed a counter overhand and put him out so fucking bad, man. Like, one of the nastiest KOs of the year. Um, yeah, I mean, Josh Emmett bounces back after some rough fights. Uh, good for him. Good for him. What's next for Bryce? Uh, I mean, obviously, like, take some time out because you need to recover. You need to take care of the brain. You, we know there's not much going on. I mean, there's a lot of... of there's a lot going on in the brain of Bryce Mitchell. It's just that... Not, not, not everything there makes a lot of sense, but, but I mean, hope, hopefully Bryce is okay. Uh, it was a very bad knockout. They took him to the hospital. Um, so yeah, hope Bryce is okay. Uh, good for George Emmett. What's next for Emmett? I don't know, man. Uh, obviously he would not fight like Philly because Philly is uh, team alpha male too. Um, so I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Maybe a rematch with Ige. I don't know. But it's it's very cool. Ah, Ige has a fight with Lerone Murphy, so so yeah, not happening. 
Oh, Paddy Pimblet for Tony Ferguson, and this was very sad. Um, but also kind of funny because Pimblet did not look great here. Uh, Pimblet, uh, you can tell, he worked very hard in some aspects of his game. He showed some improvement, but I think the improvements didn't allow him to look very good here. I think he, him being more responsible, less aggressive. Um, he he had the like the in the power chin uh, equation he was having the advantage by a big margin here was Paddy. Um, then he fought success with the takedowns. Uh, I think he hurt Ferguson at on the second round or something. And then Paddy got like super tired, and Ferguson was like starting to take over a little bit in the beginning of the third, and then Paddy just took him now. Took him down. Paddy's a good grappler, and Tony has not been a very solid grappler lately uh, because he was so dynamic uh, on his prime. And then he's just putting flat on his back, and he just tries to play guard against guys that are not going to allow him to play guard. Uh, be it like Charles Oliveira, uh, Benil Dariush, and even if Paddy's nowhere near the level of those guys in the ground, Paddy's still a legit. Jiu-Jitsu black belt, and he was having none of Tony's bullshit. I think Paddy here didn't look great. I, I think we are are all aware of his ceiling is not super high, um, but he's like a large, a decently athletic dude, and he seems to give, be getting like a bit smarter. I think this was like overall. Uh, I mean, he looked bad against a very old Tony Ferguson that loses to every everyone, but he still dominated. And I think it was. Uh, a step in the right direction for Paddy, really. And Tony, Tony needs to retire, man. I mean, I think he he now uh, is draw with BJ Penn for most consecutive losses on the in the UFC. Maybe they can fight Tony and BJ for the title. You know, they're both lightweights after all. But man, it was rough. Tony not looking great. Shavkat Rachmanov fought Steven Thompson. Uh, Thompson looked very over the hill in this one, especially like the movement and the footwork. Uh, he landed a few very solid uh, body kicks on Shavkat, like three, I think. But then Shavkat was like just getting the takedowns. Uh, I mean, in the clinch, like eventually Thompson like went to the ground and I was expecting Shavkat to use his like uh, frame and length to control uh, Wonder Boy on the ground uh, in a way that like Gilbert Burns just couldn't because he's so stocky and obviously Bilal Mohammed, even though he had more success than Gilbert, also couldn't get like that going on that bad because because Wonder Boy is lanky and is not that bad of a grappler to be honest, and and Bilal not very damaging from top position. Shavkat here. Another rear naked choke with no hooks. He's very good at just sneaking the forearms and just like closing it super tight. Um, this one more a bit, a bit of more of a textbook textbook um, grip on the rear naked choke than the than the Neil one that was a, like a very like a bully like with the gable grip and the the forearm across the neck on that <laughs> Jeff Neil finish. Uh, this one was like a bit more tight with the triangle form under the chin, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, head over the top too, not not gave a grip this time. I mean, Shavkat, uh, we, we did not get many many new information about Shavkat. We, he's just a monster. He's just a monster. Uh, 
didn't deal very well with the striking of Wonder Boy, but he really didn't need to. And after the fight, uh, his translator or his coach, I don't know who was it, uh, said that Shavkat had uh, some kind of injury, I think in a foot or something, and that's why he was not kicking with Wonder Boy. Um, I don't know, I don't take those very seriously. I think uh, fighters go into fights injured all the time, and I think it speaks more about the... Um, the state of the sport that fighters are so poor that they need to take fights injured because they need the money, man. They need the money and also they fear uh, the UFC because the, the UFC can black, blacklist you when when you're not taking the fights they want. We saw Jalen Turner like a few weeks ago just talking about that like uh, I had no option that taking the fight. So yeah, I mean, the UFC being, being sucky <laughs> as always, but... Yeah, I mean, Shavkat, a fucking monster, man. Is What's next for Shavkat? I don't know, man. If he's going to fight Ian Gary, uh, that would be very interesting. Uh, Ian Gary has a fight against Neil, so if Gary wins that one, uh, Gary has, says that, has said that he is not in a hurry to fight for the title, so maybe he can have a, a title eliminator. Uh, Shavkat versus like Brady could be interesting if they grapple, but on the feet, Shavkat should have like a huge advantage. But yeah, I mean, Shavkat, uh, not a lot else to do in the division. Even a title shot would be fine, but obviously, like, you gotta give it to Bilal. You love it or hate him, you got to give the title shot to, to Bilal. You, may, you need to make the, 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 the sport a bit legitimate. <laughs> uh, let's get into co-main event. Alexandro Pantoja defends his flyweight title against uh, Brandon Royval, a uh, more measured uh, version of Royval that we've seen, we have been seeing lately, especially in his uh, Mateusz Nikolaou fight. Pantoja here, starring very aggressive. Uh, I think, like, dangerous, a uh, dangerous gambit because uh, and he got tired as, as the fight went on. Uh, Pantoja gets tired but has amazing ability to fight tired. Um, but yeah, Pantoja started very hot because and testing the grappling immediately. Uh, he wanted, I don't know if that was part of the, of the plan, but they wanted to know like, can we get takedowns and can we like dominate from top position? We need this information from the fight moving forwards and I think it worked out very well. Uh, Royval defending takedowns for, for the first time. I've seen him you know, digging underhooks against the cage, but Pantoja then just finding answers with the single leg, a high crotch. Just clasping the hands with the with the for the double leg with one underhook because Pantoja here a lot stronger than Royval and <laughs> maybe you can tell by just looking at their physics but MMA is sometimes is is weird um, sometimes these lanky skinny guys are a lot stronger than they look <laughs> wasn't the case here you get you could tell Pantoja a lot stronger than Brendan Royval here Pantoja doing good stuff with the counters. Um, Royval starts trying to put on the pace on the fourth round, but Pantoja outgrapples him, takes the back. Fifth round comes, uh, Royval very active with the jab, commentary going nuts about it. Uh, I thought like, yeah, he was doing all right, he was doing good, uh, but he was not like beating Pantoja. Pantoja looked very tired, but he was countering. He was starting to find the leg kicks and the leg kicks was uh, were a very smart adjustment to the to the aggressiveness of Royval because he was like, 
like taking some steam off the punches. He was avoiding the the constant advancing by Royal. He was like um, he was like landing nasty leg kicks and and standing Selpo and during prolonged prolonged moments of that fifth round Pantoja that was uh, kind of weird because he was not landing most of the of the leg kicks from Selpo but then Pantoja got the takedown again and then finishes very strong with hard ground and pound after a scramble where from top half guard I think like a very high half guard. That yeah, Pantoja retains. Uh, great performance, I think. Um, Pantoja is very flawed. Like he's a bit messy technically, but he's smart. He can compete everywhere, and you can tell whatever about his gas tank. That like you can tell like Moreno or Royal, they were less tired than Pantoja uh, when the twenty-five minutes ended. But but Pantoja delivering the damage, the pace, despite being tired. Uh, I got admired admire that. Uh, I love Alexander Pantoja. I'm so I'm so happy that he's the, the champion. What's next for Pantoja? Um, apparently like there's a fight, a five five rounds between Brandon Moreno and Al Bassi that is booked. Uh, I talked about it in a previous episode. So probably the winner of that. If Moreno wins, I think he should win another one, to be honest. Like he's 0-3 against Pantoja. Uh, he's been fighting for the title like all the fucking time when he lost the title he had an interim fight It's a fucking mess like If Albasi win it's, it's Albasi for sure um, If Moreno wins Moreno can fight like Mokayev. I don't know man But I do not want to see him like I don't think it's fair for Pantoja to to get Moreno like again like You are just going to roll the dice until Moreno wins. It seems like sketchy man. Main event, Leon Edwards versus Colby Covington. And Colby comes out on the back foot for some reason. Uh, Leon here um, not doing much. I mean, Colby wasn't giving him a lot to work with. And you you know, like, Leon is conservative. And I think Leon very nervous because of all the, like, the comments uh, about uh, Colby did. I think that played a role. I mean, Leon admitted. And... I think yeah, he it was very important for him to not lose. I think Leon wanted to to get a finish here, but yeah, you can tell for Leon it's always like number one priority is winning whatever it takes. Uh, Colby here with a very weird performance when he pushed the pace, he found some success at times, landing some uh, left hands here and he, here and there, getting some takedowns. Leon like. Mostly a wrestling Kobe for most of the fight. I was having a laugh at that. Not that surprised, to be honest. I was expecting Leon maybe to get the takedowns from the clinch, but then he dropped for a double leg just to get back at Kobe for the previous takedown. And then on the fifth round, like, this one was like, I'm not a fan of Kobe Covington, but it was still very disappointing. Uh, they get into this scramble. Leon takes the back for a little while, gets reversed. Uh, Kobe ends up on top half. And I don't know, man, Kobe talks so much shit. And then, you know, he's four rounds down. Like, Kobe has lost every round very clearly. This is your chance to win the world title. This is probably the last title shot that you're going to get. Kobe Covington was not capable of going for it. He just accepted defeat. He just went for 
like the lamest ground and pound, I think you can still give like the fifth round to Leon Edwards to be quite completely honest. Like Kobe Covington was not accomplishing shit. Even on the on the on the feet when he was landing, he was not, not landing hard. Uh, Leon never looked hurt. Um, and then he just went for the Peter Parker uh, ground pound and then celebrated like he won. And we all know that's all a shtick. It was pathetic to be honest. Um like, just be honest, be a man, be a man and take the loss, admit it, like, okay, and maybe I would even respect if Colby said, like, you know, I shocked, um, I could not perform, uh, it was a bad performance, like, it's whatever, I feel like in a good day I'm still better than Leon Edwards, you can even say bullshit like that, but to say, like, oh, I feel like I want a decision, you do not feel you want a decision, that's completely bullshit, man, that's... That's just fucking lame. <laughs> That's just so lame. Like, be a man. You talk so much shit about being a man. Like, oh, the soy boys, the, the snowflakes. Shut the fuck up. Be a man. Shake the hand of the other fighter and say, you were better than me. And that's it. That's it. You were, you were a coward. And I don't care. Like, yeah, Kobe Covington might be like, a good fighter who can be successful. I don't care. Like that was the moment at the end of the fifth round. That was the moment of your life. You didn't go for it because you were scared. And then after that, you were also scared of facing reality, facing reality and and saying, "I was not the best man today. I lost." And I think that's like very sad, especially for his delusional fans that that thought that really Kobe was like making the UFC great again. Like you guys are so dumb. But yeah, I mean, that's, that was it. Uh, when it comes to technical looks, um, it was like decent scrambling by both guys, but uh, the most uh, attractive thing for me was the, the snap kick to the body that Leon was landing. I thought he hurt Colby visibly a few times during the fight, like not super like, oh, going for the finish. But I think like Colby was feeling those and hating them. Uh, I'm just glad for Leon for winning. I'm just going, I'm not going to hold this like tepid decision against him. He really needed to win the fight and he made a very conscious effort to not fight emotional here. I'm not going to act like it was like super interesting or exciting. It was not, but I'm just happy for the dude. Uh, what's next? Uh, hopefully Bilal Mohammed. Because as Joe Rogan told us, uh, Bilal Mohammed was having great success in that Leon Edwards fight. The dude was getting mauled there. <laughs> He was getting murdered before the IPOC. The IPOC, very unfortunate, it sucked. It was such a bad IPOC as well. Uh, I'm glad that Bilal's eye is doing well right now. But yeah, I mean, that's the fight to make. Uh, and that was the pay-per-view, really. It was very good, to be honest. Uh, main event being kind of boring aside, it was very exciting, f a lot of exciting fights. Paddy Pilot versus Tony Ferguson was depressing, but we were expecting that already. Pantoja against Royball was good. Uh, Josh Emmett, knockout of the GR candidate against Bryce Mitchell, Manifield and Jacoby was fun, and Manifield continues to improve. Irene Aldana versus Carlo Hosa, tremendous fight, one of the best of the year, I would say. Cody Garbrandt looking fantastic again. Deliver also a great fucking knockout here. Ariane Lipsky 
great performance. It was fun to see too. Tajiru and Bekov look great. Andre Philly, my guy, look great. I mean, everyone winning here was looking so good. Um, except Leon Edwards, sadly. <laughs> but he still won. He still got it done. He still got it done. And yeah, I just wanted to, to talk about the... Just wanted to talk about the paper. You don't have much else to talk about. Uh, what do you guys think if during the next episode we do uh, like a... Uh, end of the year awards or some recap of the year i don't know you guys please give me some feedback uh of what do you want to see next week because we don't have an event maybe we can do um uh, a q a after that i don't know guys i'm just open to ideas thank you so much for everyone who has been listening to this new podcast that i launched this year uh it has been fun it has been fun i don't i won't get into the to the recap of the year or anything right now just wanted to just wanted to drop that, like, sneak that one <laughs> inside. Um, and yeah, I mean, let's let's get to the last part. And with the last part, I want you guys to remember that the Early Print Podcast is brought to you by X Marshall, the combat sport brand dedicated to supporting the jiu-jitsu community. Their goal is to create a fun training environment with unique and exciting designs and promote the gym culture we all love. X-Marshall offers a range of products, including rash guards, shorts, spats, geese, streetwear, and training equipment. Use code the fight site to get a 10% discount on your order now. That's the fight site, all caps, no spaces. And for the best deals and discounts, sign up to their mailing list and follow their socials at X-Marshall Official. Also, remember, guys, if you want to support the fight site as an ongoing project, you can always support us on Patreon. Uh, you can get access to our Discord server that is very cool and also a pretty big catalog of exclusive content including a lot of video content that is very cool and we cannot put anywhere else. So yeah, if you want to support uh, this project you can go to Patreon and drop a few bucks. We'll have new Patreon content this week. Um, maybe like a bit of a technical recap uh, about the pay-per-view, maybe I can do a video version of that and drop it on the, the on the Patreon. I don't know, guys, if you are interested in that. I'll probably do it anyway. But yeah, that was the podcast. Uh, tell me, guys, what do you want me to talk about next week? Thank you so much for your support. And i catch you on the next one. Bye.